right. Too late. Too late? All right. So he got so many gadgets. This one's on, all right. I don't he got three different gadgets on me, amen. <laughs> Wired. Amen. And so our text tonight was Daniel and um, chapter 4, verse 28 through 32. Daniel is full of dreams and visions throughout the book. Now, throughout the whole Bible, God gives dreams to believers and unbelievers. These dreams, they reveal prosperity, prophecy, and punishment. These dreams, therefore, communication, confirmation, and condemnation. And we're seeing here in these four services that God gave Nebuchadnezzar two dreams. The first dream was a dream uh, of God dealing with nations. And in that, we saw that it is a, a, a political dream, amen. It is a, a prophetic dream of the history of humanity. And in that dream, God gave Nebuchadnezzar, remember it was a great image with the head of gold and the, and the chest of silver and the belly of brass and the legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay. And he said there was a stone not cut out with man's hand that came from heaven and it crushed the image to pieces. And then the stone grew into a great mountain and filled the whole earth. That stone is Christ. And brother, it's going to be Christ that comes and does away with the kingdoms of men. And it's Christ that's going to set up His eternal kingdom, amen, to reign forever and ever. And so we know there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And so He has ordained it so. And so the, the first vision and dream was prophetic, but also the second dream is also prophetic. But the second dream is more personal where God is dealing with Nebuchadnezzar as the person. And so uh, we see that when God gave uh, the dream, <laughs> that Nebuchadnezzar was a very wicked, heathen, hellish, hateful man. A ruthless ruler. And so he made the whole image of gold to deify himself. Self-exaltation and glorification. And he sent out a decree and a demand as a dictator. All people, languages, and nations, you're going to bow down and you're going to worship my image. And if you don't, I'm going to throw you in the fire. And we saw there were three Hebrews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because of their convictions to the Word of God. They refused to bow. Because if they did, they would know, they knew they would be in direct disobedience to the Word of God. Their convictions, their consecration, their commitment would not allow them to compromise. And they stood. And Nebuchadnezzar threw them in the fire. 
Brother, remember what we preached? The fire was just an occasion. For a demonstration and a manifestation for God's glorification. He said, there's a fourth man in the fire and he looks like the Son of God. And Nebuchadnezzar, he changed his decree. And he said, there is no God that can deliver like their God. And he changed his decree. But listen, he has changed his decree and he's recognizing God, but he still has the same old hateful hellish heart. He still never can Still a ruthless ruler. A hateful man. So we see him in his power. And now in our text tonight, we see him at ease in the palace. He has everything his heart's desire. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life at his fingertips, at his disposal, at his beck and call. He's at pleasure in his palace. I mean, there's no more cities to capture. There's no more conquest. There's no more conflict. He's at ease. But brethren, God gave him another dream. And now this dream was a tall, terrible tree. He said, even at pleasure in my palace, I was troubled on my bed. I couldn't sleep. And I was afraid. Here is a man that is a world ruler, ruling the, old, the known world of the day. Guarded by the greatest army of the day. But on his bed at night, he's troubled and afraid. That's Holy Ghost conviction. Brother, you can't get saved without it. It's when the Spirit of God takes the Word of God, amen, and convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. When He reveals to us our dead, doomed, dead, depraved self and how hateful and hellish we are in our heart. Brother, we begin to get afraid. Because then we realize we're going to face God in eternity. And we're going to have to answer to this God. And we become aware of the eternal truths. And so we see him troubled upon his bed. And, and, and he calls for, for Daniel to come and interpret this dream. And Daniel, it said, was perplexed. He was astonished. And for the about a space of an hour, he's silent. I mean, this man, this man wanted to kill all the astrologers and wise men when they couldn't interpret the first dream. This man wanted to throw everybody in the fire that would not bow. And now this dream and this interpretation, this tree is Him. What am I going to say? 
Nebuchadnezzar said, just say like it is. And he said, O king, the tree is you. I mean, the watcher came down and it stripped the leaves and the fruit from the limbs. That is substance. He cut off the branches that the fowls of the air, they rested in, amen. That is security. And then he chopped down the tree and it can no longer give shadow and shade and that's satisfaction. See, Nebuchadnezzar, amen, in his kingdom found satisfaction and security and substance. But he said, Nebuchadnezzar, God's fixing to take it all away from you. And he's going to hew the tree down and he's going to bind the stump with iron and brass. See, iron speaks of the strength of God and brass speaks of the judgment of God. Nebuchadnezzar's fixing to come under the judgment hand of God. He's no longer just going to know about God, amen. He's fixing to experience the judgment hand of God. To realize the Most High God ruleth the kingdoms. And so we see here that Daniel interprets the dream and tells him it's all going to be stripped and you're going to be, dry, be driven from men and you're going to eat grass like an ox for seven years. Your fingernails will grow like eagle claws and, you, and the hair's going to be matted like the feathers of an eagle. And you will sleep under the dew and you're, you'll be wet with the dew of heaven until you confess the Most High God ruleth. And He appeals to him in verse 27 to repent. Repent! But He hardens His heart. Refuses to accept the acceptable time of the Lord. And then we see in verse 30, look what He says. For verse 29, look. And at the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace in the kingdom of Babylon. God gave him a space to repent for 12 months, even after he received the word. Verse 30. Then the king said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Look at his pride. No, this is my kingdom. I built for my glory. But God told us over there in Daniel 2.37, Amen, it was the Lord, the Most High God, that raised Him up and gave Him His kingdom of strength and power and glory. God raised up Nebuchadnezzar. We don't see Him acknowledging God at work. So, he's looking at what he has made. His pride, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. Six things the Lord hates, seven is an abomination, and the first thing on that list is a proud look. Pride. That's the most damning nature of man, is pride. 
as we bow our neck and harden our hearts, even after receiving the revelation of God and the Word of God, boy, we'll bow up at God. We'll defy Him. Because you see, Nebuchadnezzar thinks he is a God. And so we see his personal pride. His personal pride, amen, when he was wanting to kill all of those wise men. And those astrologers. I mean, we see him, you know, I have built this image, I have built this idol, and, and he's demanded that all, everybody bow and worship his image and his idol, every kindred tongue and nation of people. Who are these three Hebrews? I made you what you are. I brought you from the land of your home, amen, but I brought you to the land of prosperity. I gave you power, position, and prominence to rule over my providences. How dare you defy me and my decree? How dare you stand and humiliate me in my own kingdom? Oh, his personal pride. I demand you to bow. As much as I like you boys, I will throw you in the fire. I will not put up with this extravagance, display of rebellion. I can't have it in my kingdom. And so we see his personal pride and arrogance that he thinks he's a God that is worthy to be worshipped. But not only we see his personal pride, but there's, there's a political pride. In Jeremiah 29, he threw two Jewish captains in the fire and burned them, making a political statement. In the book of 2 Kings 25, Nebuchadnezzar, when he captured King Zedekiah, he held him, brought his own sons in front of him, and had his sons massacred and murdered and mutilated right in front of his eyes. How wicked is that? And then he gouged out the eyes of the king and let him captive as a trophy of his victory. Self-exaltation. Through his political arrogance, amen, to send a message to the world of how ruthless he is. Could you imagine the last thing you see with your physical eyes would be your own children murdered right before your eyes? How could he do such a thing? This is the kind of man we're dealing with here. And so we see his political pride and his personal pride. But there's also his presumptuous pride. This great Babylon that I have built, it was known as one of the seventh wonders of the world of that day. It had a beautiful hanging gardens. 
had a wall. Now different commentators say different things. So I don't know how high the wall was and I don't know how wide it was. Some said it was 300 feet tall. Some said 200 feet tall. One said it was 175 feet tall. One said it's 200 feet wide. One said it's 90 feet wide. One said it's 60 feet wide. Choose whichever one you want, okay? Don't bother me. But they all agreed that chariots could ride abreast upon the top of that wall. And the Euphrates River flowed in through under the wall and through that city of two million people. The walls were for protection and the river was for provision. Here we have a self-sustaining society and brother, that breeds pride. Sounds like a miracle. America boasts that we are a self-sustaining society. We don't need nobody. We 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 always been the world leader and world dominance. It's even been said by the world for many years that the president of the United States is the most powerful man on earth. Brother, here we are in our spiritual arrogance and pride as a nation, as a people. We don't need God. And we have forgotten it's God that has raised this kingdom up. Amen. As God raises up kingdoms, He can set them down. And America in her pride, amen, of the foolishness of the flesh and gender genocide and we're popularizing the Sodomites and the Transvestites. We got political perversions. Polluted politics. Corrupt churches. In the name of God. And we're relying upon the nation we have built. We have made for our glory. Notice in the middle of that great Babylonian city, right in the middle of it was the temple of Baal. But notice in our text, last night and the last four nights, Nebuchadnezzar has not even mentioned Baal. That's his own God. He ain't mentioned Baal. Has he given no reverence to Baal? Because it's all about Nebuchadnezzar. I'm my own God. I don't need Baal. And brother, that's the mindset of America today. We don't need the Most High God that ruleth the kingdoms of men. We have become our own gods. And we have forgotten the one true God in our spiritual arrogance and pride. What kingdoms are we building tonight in our ministries, in our marriages, in our money, in our friends, in our family, in our finances? Amen. Of pride. Look what we've accomplished. Our advancements. Our accomplishments. And we look at our achievements. And want God to be blessed. We see here that 
Nebuchadnezzar does not understand what it says here in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 25 verse 9, Behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon, my servant. Look at that. King Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. Even when he was a wicked, ruthless ruler, he was a servant of God, the Most High God. Because God would raise him up. God gave him that kingdom. And even Isaiah 105 years before had prophesied that Israel would fall, Jerusalem would fall to Babylon. So here's just prophecy coming to pass. Why? God's faithful to His Word. Here's my servant. And we'll bring them against this land and against the inhabitants and against all the nations around about and we'll utterly destroy them and make them uh, an astonishment and a hissing and a perpetual desolation. Verse 11. <clears throat> and this whole land shall be a desolation and a, an astonishment and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Now that's God's word before they ever went into captivity. Look at verse 12. And it shall come to pass when the 70 years are accomplished, I will punish the king of Babylon. And that nation saith the Lord, for the iniquity in the land of the Chaldeans, and I will make it a perpetual desolation. Now here's my point, folks. God's at work the whole time. Even when wickedness was prevailing and the upheaval and the ungodliness, the immorality, the idolatry, brother God is in the midst of all the immorality at work. Fear not, little flock. Our God's at work. Even in the midst of this Wicked, perverse generation in which we live. We must stay the course. Just as God's planned and purposed, His Son shall have a bride, and that bride's the church. And what we're witnessing is a purging. Because His bride, we ain't going to heaven with spotted garments limping and amen on a on a walker. Brother, we're going in in glorious white garments. Washed white by the blood of the Lamb. Brother, we got to remember we somebody going somewhere and God's at work in spite of what's happening behind the scenes that we're not even aware of. So we see his pride. Look at verse 31 back in our text. While the word was in the king's mouth, while he was bragging on himself, there fell a voice from heaven. What does that mean? God is orchestrating his work. A voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. Brother, God gave it to him. God took it away from him. Look at verse 32. They shall drive thee from men into the dwelling, and there shall be as the beast of the field, and they shall make thee as, 
eat the grass like an ox, and seven times shall pass over thee seven years until thou know that the Most High God ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whosoever he will. Now folks, I know we're all concerned about this next election and we need to be. We've discussed that at the supper table. We need to be praying for God to have mercy on us in the judgment. Brother, I tell you, we used to preach that the judgment clouds was coming. They ain't coming no more. We're un- the judgment of God is on this nation. And I believe we got what we got because God said that's what you deserve. We deserve it. And all we can do in the midst of it is cry, Oh God, be merciful in thy judgment. Remember, that's what David said. God gave him a choice. You could pick what judgment you want. He said, I'll trust in the judgment of God because I know He'll be merciful. Amen. We're under judgment. How severe will it get? I don't know. Brother, we got to keep our eyes on Him. Verse 33, the same hour was the king. Was it fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar? He was driven from men. And there he now goes out in the field to eat like grass like an ox for seven years. Now watch verse 34. And at the end of the days, in other words, the seven years fulfilled now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him who liveth forever, whose dominion is everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. Remember that's what He said last night in verse 3? Remember verse 3? That's how He started His testimony. I told you this is His personal testimony of salvation. And He is now revealing how a holy sovereign God has dealt with Him mercifully. And he said, now I acknowledge the Most High God. And I praise Him and honor Him who has dominion for everlasting dominion. And His kingdom is from generation to generation. Brother, it was God that changed His heart and gave Him an understanding. He said, my understanding returned. Let me tell you something The natural man doesn't understand the spiritual things of God. Neither can he know them. They're foolishness to him because they're spiritually discerned. You ain't going to know the spiritual things of God unless the Holy Ghost of God who is the teacher teaches them and reveals them to you. And now he's had a revelation, amen, of God. And God's changed his heart. That's changed his attention. That's changed his attitude. That has changed his actions, amen. Now he's a changed man that doesn't know about God, but he knows God. Repentance is toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. You would have noticed in Daniel chapter 2, he talked about a God. And Daniel chapter 3 talked about their God. 
But now in Daniel chapter 4, brother, he's talking about the Most High that ruleth the kingdom of men. The ruler of heaven. Now he's talking about his God. And here comes verse 35. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. You know what that means? Without God, all we are is dirt. Just a handful of dirt. Amen. Down, doomed, and depraved. We cannot do nothing of ourselves. It's a sovereign God that comes to us in our hour of need. And brings the regeneration and the revelation and the illumination that brings us unto salvation and reconciliation, amen, for His glorification. Without God, we are nothing and we can do nothing. Oh, how we need His hand at working tonight in our lives. He doeth according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay His hand or say unto Him, What doest thou? Job tried that. We talked about it. Amen. He said, Job, who are you that darkened counsel with words without knowledge? You don't even know what you're talking about. Where was you when I laid the foundations of the world? Verse 36, At the same time my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned to me, my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now get this, folks. God is making His kingdom greater than it was before. Remember, God gave him a word. I'm going to put a band of iron and brass on that stump. I'm going to keep your kingdom. Now folks, a kingdom without a king is easily overthrown. But God gave him His word. I'm going to give your kingdom back to you. And folks, God gave him his kingdom back. And God made him greater than he ever was before. Without God, we are nothing. But with God, we're all in all and everything. Amen. We are complete in Christ. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we are complete in him. Here's the last verse. Now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the King of Heaven. All whose works are true and His ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, He is able to abase. Brother, I'm going to tell you something. There was another very prideful man. We mentioned him last night. The Apostle Paul, which was Saul. Very prideful man. Brother, God struck him down. Brother, if God wants us, He can get us. We just need to be praying, Lord, would you come to me?
Lord, would you not pass me by? Lord, would you give me the grace and the mercy I need just to keep on keeping on for your glory. Father, tonight, may we humble ourselves under your mighty hand that you might exalt us in due time in your season for your glory. We pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, don't leave us to ourselves. Lord, we know right in the midst of judgment we can commune with you. We can rejoice in you because our peace is not of this world. Our peace is in you, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us. Speak to us. Work in us and through us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. As we stand tonight to sing. As we stand to sing.